Well, I want to welcome you today to the conclusion of a collection of sermons that we have called Thread the Needle. If you've been joining us at any part in this series, whether in person or online, listening to the podcast, you know that we've set up front every single week that it's a series designed to challenge us. And I think for many of us, I know myself included, it has challenged me. It's a series designed to correct us. Sometimes when we process God's word and what it's saying to us on a specific topic, on a specific issue, on a specific way we go about doing something or not doing something, it feels corrective. But it's also a series of celebration. And we began that a little bit last week. But today, today, in this season that we begin as we are celebrating all that God has done, as we're celebrating all that God is doing, I don't think there's anything better that we could spend our time today doing than celebrating. So if you're new with us today, welcome. My name is Michael. But we are having a celebration on today. In fact, I may... Uh, have an alternate title for today's sermon called Storytime with Michael. So if you're looking for great exposition or great expounding upon, that ain't what you're getting today. Today what you are going to get is you are going to get testimony of the goodness of God, of the faithfulness of God, of the provision of God, as the people of God have chosen to thread the needle. See, we've been walking around and circling around an interaction in the New Testament, in the life of Jesus, that was undoubtedly significant. Some people know it as Jesus and the rich young ruler, but we've come to discover that really it's Jesus and his conversation with a devoted young man. Someone who really was doing all he thought to follow God, but knew there was something more. So he comes to Jesus and asks what he should do. And Jesus sees him. And because he loves him, he challenges him to do something. And the man says, I can't do that. And he walks away sad because he was unwilling to take the step that Jesus asked to follow him. But I got to be honest, in my heart, I believe... Uh, I believe Jesus was sad too. And he was sad because Jesus knew what would happen on the other side of this man's yes. Jesus, the reason he invited him into this journey, invited him to, to walk with him and explore with him and to turn the world upside down with him, is he knew what was on the other side of this man's yes. He knew what he would see. He knew what he would experience if the man simply would have responded to Jesus' invitation to join us with a yes. The thing we've been discovering, and I pray you realize today, is that same invitation is extended to us to follow Jesus and hold nothing back. To follow Jesus and not draw lines and put limits on places and spaces where we say, God, I trust you, just not there. God, I trust you with this aspect of my life, but not that aspect of my life. God, I'll trust you with these things, but don't be coming talking to me about this. You know, our testimony is, though, that there are many, many people. Our church is filled with people who live their lives responding to Jesus's invitation with a yes. Saying, I will follow you. I will trust in you. 
I will not hold any area of my life captive. I will not put it to the side, but I willingly bring you anything you would ask because I have seen and I know what God has done. And so today, we're going to give testimony to that. One more time, we're going to read this interaction, but shortly after reading it, we're going to dive into the celebration of what God has done through us who have joined Jesus in this journey, who have responded to his call to us and said, I won't hold anything back. I will thread the needle. Let's read from Mark again. This is the the depiction of this interaction that we started with, we shall end with. We've also looked at it in Luke and looked at it in Matthew, which elevates its significance. But Mark records these words in this manner. He says, as he was setting out on his journey, talking about Jesus, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus told him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. And he said to him, teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, you lack one thing. Go sell all you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come Follow me. That's the invitation. That's our invitation. Follow him. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said to them again, children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And they were exceedingly astonished and said to him, then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with man, it is impossible, but not with God. For all things are possible with God. You know, I think some of us think Jesus is harsh to this man. That this devoted, zealous young man comes to Jesus and says, uh, what else is required of me? And he goes through the list of all of his devotion and Jesus gives him this response that seems like an impossibility. Gives him this task, tells him there's one more thing and it feels like too much that this is harsh from Jesus. But no. He said it in love. Mark points this out brilliantly in what we just read. Mark says that Jesus looked at him. And it's the same way that Jesus, at the end of Mark's articulation, looked at his disciples. The same kind of love, the same kind of desire, the same kind of hope and want that Jesus looked at Peter and James and John and Simon and Bartholomew and Jude. And he looked at them and said, with, with man, these things are impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. That same look, that same love, that same devotion is the exact same word in Greek that Jesus looked at this young, devoted, 
wealthy man with. He saw something in him. He, he saw something that he wanted him to be a part of. And so he told him to come and follow him because he knew what was on the other side of his step of faith. But the man didn't. He didn't. He felt like it cost too much. He felt like the sacrifice was too great. He felt like the things that he could hold on to, the things that he could count, mattered more than responding yes to Jesus' invitation. See, Jesus' invitation wasn't just to do a thing the man could comprehend. It was into something that would blow his mind that all God might do through him. But the man didn't see it. And so he walked away. That same opportunity, hear me, that same invitation is extended to us to follow him, to thread the needle. Come on, as we've even been saying in this series, to join us, to join us in living this life for God and for other people, to join us in being here for good, to join us in consistent generosity by trusting God completely financially. But you might respond to that, whether you've been here for every installment of this series or this is your first installment of it, you may hear this and go, but why? Why, why should I, somebody else can do that. Why should I? Is it because that's what gets you into heaven? Of course not. It's because that's what brings heaven to earth. It is not your yes to be generous. Your yes to withhold nothing from God. Your yes to say, all I have is your, I will follow you, I will follow your way, I will join the us. It's not that that gets you into heaven somehow, because maybe you can't buy your way in. But that is the thing that begins to bring heaven to earth. Can I tell you something, friend? That's what we see all around us. Because people live consistently generous, there is so much that happens in our city. So much that happens in our immediate neighborhood and neighborhoods. So much that happens in and through this church because people live consistently generous. Because people choose to put God first, to return to him what's his, to sacrifice what they may want on the account of, I, I, I think God might be able to do more through this than they get it. You see, the gospel is free, but ministry is expensive. The gospel is free. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. God loved the world so much that he gave. It is by grace that you are saved through your faith. It is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by works so that no person can boast about it. The gospel is free. But what that good news does in us creates a response out of us that is ministry to God by loving our neighbor as ourselves. By choosing not to forget to do good and to share with others. Because we know with such sacrifices God is pleased. To choose to live in such a way to where we hold 
nothing tightly. And so today, for a few moments, I want to brag on God. But I also want to brag on those of you who practice consistent generosity. Because this is what God is doing through us. And there's so much that you see. There's so much that I can't even begin to get to. I wish I could, but I ain't got time. Y'all ain't wanting to be here for the four and a half day long sermon. You know what I'm saying? Like, but I want to brag on God. And I want you to see a little bit of what God is doing through us so that all people are transformed in Christ. See, because it's because some people say yes to Jesus' invitation. It's because some people say yes to say, God, I will return to you what's yours. It's because some people say yes and they say, I will choose to live generously, consistently. So much is happening. It's because people choose to live consistently generous that this church exists. A church that's in the city, that's of the city, and that's for the city. That's us. That's, that's who we are and who we be. We in the city, we of the city, and we for the city. See, we are here on, on this block, and, and we own this facility, which that in itself is, is wild. Three and a half years ago, we moved into this space right as COVID was beginning, although we didn't know about COVID at that exact moment. We found out about three days later. But we moved into this facility as renters. But from the day we moved in, actually before we moved in, we uh, told the people we were renting from that we would operate like owners. So we would care for it like it was ours, even though it wasn't ours yet. We would fix things. And so we came in and so much of what you see, if you ever come by in person, the, 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 the exterior looking so sharp and the glass all being consistent and not broken and matching and, the, and the, the restrooms that exist and the flooring and the paint and the everything that's been done, the HVAC that, 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 that works and the lighting and the decor and everything. We did, we did all this. We walked in and started operating like owners which was a simple but powerful decision because two years later when we were moving into being owners, God did a miracle in that moment. Now, some of you don't know this because maybe you weren't here in the church. I know there are so many people who are new to our church. You may not know this, but we do own this church. But we, we, we are owners right now. We are owning this facility as, uh, as people who pay a bank to own it, I must clarify. But we own it. We don't rent from somebody. We own it like most of you own your house. We own it. Um, but we moved into ownership, not like most nonprofits and most churches move into owning stuff. Because typically when you do that, you start what they call capital campaigns. <laughs> and for the next three to five years, there are pyramids talking about if I can get one person to give this and two people to give a whole lot of this and four people on this level and eight people. And if you can find yourself somewhere on the pyramid and it's just this hammering and this pressuring centered around money to raise enough money to ultimately only put down a deposit <laughs> to be able to then own the thing they're trying to do. That wasn't our story. No. No, when we moved into being owners, there was no capital campaign. There was no, everybody better, everybody better give and give again and give again and give again. You better sell your house, sell your dog, sell something because we, it, wasn't, it wasn't like that. We were graced by God 
because of the work we had already done in the facility as renters that created equity in this space to literally be able to just move into ownership. It literally, instead of paying the people that we rented from, we were able to pivot and begin owning it and begin paying literally a little bit less per month in our payment than we were paying before. That's the blessing of God. But can I tell you, it's also a statement in our neighborhood, a statement in our community that we ain't going nowhere. See, this, this, this facility had been a, a plasma space where you donate blood and donate plasma to make a little money. And some shady things would happen in the back storage area right behind where I'm preaching. But that's a whole other story for a whole other day. It was that. Then it became this shady event center. And I'm just going to leave it at that. But it looked abandoned. It was the worst spot on the block. And God graced us with it to turn it into the best spot on the block and literally become a catalyst for things happening around us on our block. And God did all that without a capital campaign. And God did all that without having to try to try to create a season where instead of continuing to do all the ministry that you're doing, you're just focused on trying to be able to pay for brick and mortar. No, 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 no. God did all that. Because that's what our God can do. You know what's crazy still? We get offers all the time to sell our building. We've had two this fall, which is great. Because if an opportunity ever opens up, uh, maybe we need more space or maybe an opportunity comes that we could, but it enables us to serve our community even better. You know what we're sitting on? We are sitting on a good asset. We are sitting on something that is worth more than we paid for it. So, so now, like, multiplication can happen from there. A church in the city, of the city, for the city. You know, through this facility, we do all the ministry foundationally of this church. This is where we record and prepare our online services. This is where we host in-person services every single week. It's through this facility that we uh, run classes throughout the year, classes that teach people practical things like how to manage money and how to buy a home, but also that teach uh, spiritual things like what it is we believe and, and, and how, to, how to share your faith with someone. We teach classes like that. We're able to use it to host groups. We're able to use it to... to create uh, environments where leaders can grow and gather together. We, we are able to use it to provide other uh, support groups, uh, opportunities to be able to gather and, and be able to, to fight their battles together and have relationship where they can overcome and recover from what they may be struggling with. We're able to do so much with it. We're able to partner with people who can preach the gospel to people that live in our community that don't speak the same language as us. And so out of this facility, we're able to host a Spanish service every single week, Spanish Bible studies, Spanish prayer meetings, where people who are near to us but do not speak the same language as us can, can worship and gather and come together. It's amazing what God has been able to do through a facility. We're able to host events as a church. So many events that we host as a church, so many events that we allow to be hosted here because we have a space. Some of y'all don't know this, but we actually have our facility to, to be able to be rented constantly because we don't believe this is a sacred space. We believe it's used for sacred purposes, that there is 
transforming work that happens through the space, but the space in itself isn't sacred, it's a tool. And so we have it rented uh, regularly. I mean, we have people that use it on a weekly basis that rent from us, and people that use it on a monthly basis that rent from us, and people that use it on an occasional basis. We have events that come in from outside. We have events that are wild sometimes. Sometimes we have wrestling up in the church. I'm just saying. Like, but it's rental opportunities. And here's the beautiful thing that's connected to ministry that happens through this philosophy. Because some people wonder, how y'all do all y'all do? in the community you in. Well, this is part of it. Right now, about 40 to 50% of our costs associated with this building, so our mortgage, our MLG and W, if you will, are, are actually paid for by outside sources. So when people return to God, what's his? It's not all going to MLG and W. <laughs> when people return to God, what's his? It's all not going just to a mortgage payment. It's able to be able to do the ministry that we're about to talk about, to be the blessing that we talk about. How does it work? Part of it works because that, and I see by faith, because people have been generous and people have been, and we've been able to build this model that in not too long, 100% of all the costs for this facility are going to be paid for by outside sources. And I can't wait to tell you the day it happens when every dollar given to God through this church doesn't go into brick and mortar, but it goes into touching people's lives. It goes into meeting people's needs. And baby, we are closer than we've ever been. That's God. That's God doing that. You know, everybody I talk to, I feel like knows where our church is and what our church does. For the last six or seven weeks, I've had a lot of conversations as we've been in this Christmas Palooza season. I've been meeting people I didn't know, been sitting down in their offices, been, been gathering with people and sharing the vision, inviting them to partner with us as sponsors or whatever type thing. And as, a, as, as we do these things, I'll, I'll tell many times people I don't know that, you know, I'm the, I'm the pastor at Believing Church and they'll go, before I can even respond, they'll go, oh, you're on Summer Avenue. And I say, yes, we are. And they'll start talking about how they see lines of people, how they drive by all the time and there are people here. I say, yeah, well, that's because it's a, it's, a, it's a tool that we use, as I just described, to, to, to glorify God and to do good for our community. And they're like, man, that's wonderful. And they'll talk about, you know, Saturdays when they see, uh, you know, people wrapped all around the building. Or Sundays, they come by and the parking lots are full. And they, and they say, man, it's incredible. What's happening? I know what you do. We hear it over and over and over again. But you know what we also hear? We hear people talk about the quality of the space. I had a, a gentleman come into our facility just last week who, um, who owns the, um, one of the little strip centers right here by our church. It's on Avon there, Elsa Bohr and these things. Are in it. And he was walking around and he just kept saying, wow, wow, wow. Man, this space is incredible. What you guys have done is great. And he was even telling me that, you know, the work that we did on the outside uh, a few years ago to improve the space uh, challenged him to not be neglectful about the buildings that he owned because he doesn't operate any of the businesses in there. He just owns the building. And he said, man, we weren't doing a good job. And so he said, it was because of what you all did that we went and fixed all the glass and repaired doors and painted the outside of our building and made it something more beautiful and more presentable to the, our community. Now, let me tell you a little secret about this gentleman. He don't live here, okay? I mean, he lives like in the area, but like he has to make pit stops to drive into the area. You know what I'm saying? Like, like he needs a bathroom break and fill up with gas. But 
So it would be easy for him to view a building he owns as just a property. But because of the generosity of us, because of the commitment of us, he said, I can't treat it the way I've been treating it. I'm about to step this thing up. And that matters in a neighborhood like ours that has been overlooked and neglected for decades. It matters in communities like this where people have used it for what they could get from it and not invested back in it. It matters. But that's just about a building. Transformation is happening through us constantly. Because there's an us who gives and an us who withholds nothing from God. Can I tell you, people who've never been to church, like in their entire life. I know it's hard for some people to wrap their mind around being that we are in the South. People who've never been to church. People who've never had faith in God. People who've never prioritized the things of God are being saved. We hear stories weekly about people who have been hurt by church but haven't been back to church in 20 years that God does something in their life when they walk into this space. We have stories of people who have never had faith in God putting their faith in God. People are being saved every week. There are stigmas and stereotypes being broken because of what God does through you. See, a couple of weeks ago, probably three weeks ago, maybe it was four, we hosted an event here on a Saturday, and one of the presenters, the speakers at that event, was a friend of mine named Brunetta. And Brunetta uh, just uh, loved the space and loved being here, and we got to talk for a little bit, and she said, I'm going to come to church. I said, bet, let's see this. And she came to church. And little did I know, she came to church because she wasn't, um, she wasn't really sure, <laughs> like, you know how some people can uh, pose one way, but they really another? And she thought maybe that, that we and I like posed as something that we weren't really about. Well, she came to church, and um, she loved it. She came up to me um, afterwards, and uh, her words were, um, uh, being here today has shook me. <laughs> and I said, what does that mean? And she said, well, I... I assume some things. Y'all know assumptions can get you in some crazy places. She said, I assume some things about you all that, um, that she said, this is remarkable. She said, I assumed that because you're a white man, that your whole church was white. And the church ain't white. <laughs> and she said, and the church ain't black. And the church ain't Latino. The church is Memphis. Those were her words. She said, she said, and I assumed that maybe, you know, because that's the way churches end up being, that they become a certain, like, uh, common economic reality. But she said, I didn't see that. She said, she said, I have never, this, these were her words. She said, I ain't never seen nothing like this. And she said, Memphis needs this. Uh, that's what she just kept repeating to me. She's like, Memphis needs this. Memphis needs this. Memphis needs this. See, some of you don't understand that what you are a part of isn't normal. It ain't normal to sit on rows or join online with people who don't look exactly like you or who don't make in the same tax bracket as you do or who don't vote in the same partisan lines that you vote. That those realities coming together don't happen. But it happens here. 
And I'm not saying it makes things easy. No, to a certain extent, sometimes it makes it harder. But it's what God has called us to do. It is the picture that the Bible gives of what his church is supposed to be. Because one day, people from every nation, every tribe, every tongue, every political persuasion, every economic reality are going to gather around the throne and give glory and honor to the King of Kings. And so when you do that here, we bring heaven to earth and it transforms people. You know, kids in our neighborhood are growing up knowing that they are loved by God. Whether they come to services or not. See, there are kids growing up in our neighborhoods that are learning they are loved by God. The real God. Who loved the world so much he sent his son. The real God who existed before time and is the same yesterday, today, and forever, even though they are taught and told not to believe in that God. There's a very large Muslim population in our community. In fact, the largest practicing mosque in the city of Memphis is just up the street from us. We have the privilege of, of with many of the efforts that we do, serving Muslim families. Can I tell you, it, it warms my heart when um, I see women and men who I know are very devout Muslims who uh, run up to me or run up to people with us and thank us for what we do. When they, they reach out and, 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 and just give appreciation for the, the, the work that we do to bless them when their kids are excited to come into this space because they know they're going to be blessed, they know they're going to be fed, they know they're going to be tutored, they know that it was, it was believing that they came by, it was a place that loves Jesus that they came by, that told them that they mattered, they mattered so much, we're going to make sure their family has food. They, we love them so much, we're going to make sure that, uh, that they are encouraged. We're going to love them so much, we're going to make sure that at Christmas time when everybody else is getting toys, I don't even care if you believe in Christmas or not, you're going to get toys because we believe that through that act of generosity, you're going to see the love that God has for you. Kids in our neighborhood are growing up with a different experience than they would if you, if I, didn't join us. See, people are growing. People are changing. People are following Jesus in tangible ways. There are people listening right now, people who will join us in person, people who are watching online, people who are listening to the podcast that you couldn't imagine being who you are right now compared to where you were six months ago. Like the way you use your time and the way you're beginning to use your resources and the way your, your mind and your heart has it, it is blowing your mind because of what God is doing through you. I hear stories of this constantly because we're in this city and we're of this city and we're for this city. Another way we say it is that we're here and we're here for good, right? We are here for good. You know, there's so much that happens in the church for us. But what's unique about believing is that even more happens as the church. For believing, it's not all about just what we get and what we do for those of us who's already in, those of us who's already a part, those of us who's already here. It's about what happens out there. You know, through our grocery drive throughs I shared this in the last installment. 
But through our grocery drive-throughs over the last three plus years, we've served more than 17,000 households groceries. Lots of groceries. Up near three quarters of a million pounds of food that we have sorted. Come on, y'all know, y'all know what it's like to sort 6,000 pounds of sweet potatoes. Y'all know what it's like to sort 4,000 pounds of jalapenos. You know what I'm talking about. We have blessed and given and serve so that there are pantries that that used to never have anything in it that now don't know what it's like to not have stuff in it because of your generosity. These grocery drive-throughs over and over and over again. And not only is it the work that we're doing, but it's the people who are being connected and attracted to the work. We have so many people coming to serve now that it puts us in a spot where I believe by faith that next year, somebody in that chat needs to type next year, that next year we will actually start doing two grocery drive-throughs every single month through our church. Because we have the, the, the manpower to make it happen. And we're being blessed by the grace of God with the resources to be able to make it happen. And we're working on plans that hopefully at some point during next year, we'll start offering two every single month. Why? Because the need is great. We're having to close the line more than an hour before we even start serving because people are coming so early. You know why? Because they know they're going to get taken care of. They know they're going to be blessed. They know that, yeah, 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 they said they were going to do it and they're going to do it. They, 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 they know that when they pull up that we're going to do everything in our power to take care of them. Well, yes, with the groceries that we buy, but also with connections that we make. You know, we were working really hard with this uh, last grocery drive through as we uh, were approaching Thanksgiving and this holiday to figure out um, some extra blessings for people, which we will do sometimes just randomly. Shoot, it was in October that uh, we had a, a partnership where they went through and were serving pet food to people. You know, like like if you've got pets, man, we don't want your pets cost to be a burden for you if you're having trouble putting food on your table. So let us help you. Well, in November, we were able to come through and through a, a partnership that we have with the United Way and really a miracle because I had been making calls for weeks to some different connections that that I had that knew that had helped us with turkeys and things like that in the past that just couldn't make it happen. And uh, I got a call on uh, the day before our last grocery drive through literally while I was recording a video, okay? And, and while that was going, I got that call and I called them back and it was a contact through the United Way, one of my friends there who said, hey, look, I know you guys know people. I know you guys serve people. And uh, we have the opportunity to get about 250 turkeys. Um, any way y'all can get those to people? And I said, absolutely. And what's crazy is not only did we do that, not only was it a massive blessing to people, not only did we get to serve people, probably the, the largest amount of loaded food per household that we've ever been able to do at our last grocery drive through but we have literally this week already <laughs> gotten messages, emails, and calls from people that did not come to this grocery drive through who their friends who came to the grocery drive through told them how blessed they got through the grocery drive through They said, let me hear about this church, and let me hear about the next grocery drive through and let me hear about what God is doing through you, because we don't exist for ourselves, we exist for others. You know, one of the things we do is, is step into this food space in a thing we do now that we call after school. For years, we have served meals for kids after school because there are many kids who go home and they go home hungry. They go home and they don't know where dinner is coming from. 
And so for years, we have served meals to kids. And this year, as we moved into the school year, we found out we actually had to change the mechanism that we do it. Made it harder on us, but we still do it. And we still do it for a lot of reasons. One, because there are kids who every single day, families every day, who come by and they just need that food. And so we're happy and grateful and thankful to bless them. There are communities literally just north of here that we're able to serve every single day who many of the residents of that sort of neighborhood right there do not have transportation. They can't come two or three miles south to be able to get food. We have people that come by and pick it up and deliver it to them to be a blessing to them. It's amazing. We have people around us, though, that may not be called kids anymore. They're a little older in life. And life has been hard. And they find themselves presently living on the street. They find themselves presently without consistent shelter. And they find themselves very often hungry. And one of the reasons we make sure that we have food delivered here daily, every single day, and that we prioritize and plan and do all the work and the sweat and the tears and the time and the effort and the pain that it is to do it, because it's all of it. It's because we know there are people that honestly are living behind buildings up and down this street right now that the only consistent place they know they can get food from is us it's because there are families who have no don't know where else to turn there was a lady two weeks ago that rang our doorbell she had just moved here from houston i feel like it was true i'd never seen her never met her before but um she had texas license plates so let's go with Houston. But she said she was from Houston. She's been here for a few days and uh, they're, they're, they're not, you know, settled and they have no money and they had no food. And she had two little kids with her. And she was asking because she had been told that we could help. She said, do you have anything? And because we had those meals, we were able to be a blessing to her and make sure she could get through that little period of time. Sometimes it doesn't feel like a lot, but over time it becomes a lot. See, with our after school, not only have we started serving meals to kids, but we've begun offering tutoring. Because we wanna make sure that kids excel in school, that they grow up fully uh, strong in their classes, that they grow up passing and understanding the work, not just moving along. So that way they can go in and become whatever it is God has gifted them to become. They can go in and, and, and not just settle for maybe what they saw, but they can go in and, and run companies. They can go and run cities. They can go and lead in neighborhoods. They can go and make a difference through their lives. And so. We've been working this school year to, to start tutoring kids as well, too. And we had this dream and this desire. Didn't know how it would happen. Well, a couple months ago, I walked into this um, uh, mixer, if you will, that I was invited to. I didn't really want to go, but I was like, man, I need to go. And so I went. I wasn't planning on staying there very long. In fact, normally when I go to things, I like to take people with me uh, just for them to get connected and them to see and them to know. But uh, this one I just rolled up to by myself. And uh, so because I was by myself, I was like, well, I got to go introduce myself to people. Because I started looking around. And aside from the people that had invited me that were working the door saying, hey, good to see you. I didn't know nobody there. So I just started meeting people. And the first guy I met, I was like, man, what are you here? This was a group of people, you know, starting nonprofits. And I said, I said, man, what's the nonprofit that you're working with? He said, man, I really want to start tutoring kids in need. I said, no, you don't. <laughs> he said, yes, I do. And he started telling me about it. And I said, man, we need to connect. 
His name was Dr. Campbell. And uh, I told him what we were doing with after school, how we had this vision for this. And God brought the resource we needed in him to where now, yes, we're serving meals every day to kids, but we're growing a team of people that are tutoring kids every day after school too. And kids are being able to grow and they're learning in math and they're learning in reading and they're, they're learning how to navigate these things. And maybe sometimes where their parents can't help, they know they can come to the church and get the help that they need. And we're building something that is going to transform families. It's going to transform kids because it's not about us. It's about others. That's why we do things like Family Palooza. Some of y'all don't know, but back in the spring, we hosted an event. Man, we gave away breakfast, we had inflatables, had Easter Bunny, had glow-in-the-dark egg hunts, all this kind of stuff. It was just a free, fun day for families, or morning for families. And y'all, we had up near a thousand people on this campus and in this building, inside and outside at one time. It was buck to the wild, right? Like, we got so many reports of people who wanted to come and they could not find anywhere to park anywhere. In anywhere in the whole complex. And they just said, all right, I guess this is a little too crowded for us. But we do that just to be a blessing. We do it because one of the primary things we hear in our neighborhood is that there, there are no fun, free things for families to do. And so that's why we host Family Palooza. That's why we host our family movie nights like we do. Giving away free popcorn and turning our auditorium into a movie theater to give families something fun, free to do, but also to remind them that they're loved, they're valued, they're believed in. I can't tell you how many people tell us they look forward to these movie nights. We got a little holiday one coming up, but they look forward to it because it is fun. It is free for their family. It's why we do Christmas Palooza. Over the last three years, we've served over 3,000 kids Christmas toys. And we're getting ready to do it again. We haven't even promoted this thing yet, for real. We, we, we will, we, we about to, but we haven't even promoted it externally yet. And we have dozens and dozens and dozens of calls and emails and messages every week saying, y'all giving away toys? Y'all doing the palalooza? Some people can't, folk can't say palooza, but like y'all doing the papa pa boo boo you know again? It's like, yeah, 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 we doing that. It speaks to the need. It speaks to the blessing that you are. Now, I could go on and on and on and on. But you know what really says something about what God is doing? Reputation. Reputation. You know you have a reputation. Those of us who, who call believing home, those of us who join Jesus in living generously for the good of others. Do you know you have a reputation? And you don't get it because we propped it up. See, when we do stuff, we don't be calling the, the news, although maybe we should to give them something good to run instead of what they be running. Like, we don't call the Daily Memphian and tell them, y'all need to write a report on us. We don't do that. We don't do it primarily because what Jesus said specifically, when you're helping other people, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. And so we choose to lay low operate behind the scenes, to do good and serve people and uh, let the rest of it handle. But you have a reputation. This week, I've gotten two calls from, to keep them anonymous, but uh, state what's going on from high-ranking officials here in the city of Memphis. Not calling to check on me. <laughs> Not calling to say they like the church. I don't even know if they go to church. You know why both of them called? They said their, um, 
they got word of somebody in need. In fact, one of them, I was talking to her uh, earlier this week, and, and uh, I know her better than the other person who called. And so she was explaining this need. And so I'm just sort of asking some, some, some questions, trying to get a sense for what the need is for this particular family, but then also trying to figure out you know, connections she's already made. And so I just asked the question, because I didn't want to point this family to a resource that maybe she's already pointed them to or somebody else has. So I just asked her, I said, so who else have you reached out to? Because I just didn't want to overlap these things. And, and she said, no one. She said, you're my first call. She said, honestly, y'all are the only people I knew to call. These are her words. She said, because I know y'all really help people. When people in your city recognize that when they find somebody in need, they know who to call. Somebody in the chat needs to say, I have a reputation. Yes, you do. You have a reputation. We have businesses that reach out to us because they really want to serve. They really want to make a difference. And some of them have come to the humbling conclusion that they don't know how. And they're done with the trite and tropial little little uh, photo op blessings and say, we want to make a difference. Show us how. And we're able to. We've got three businesses we're working with right now, helping them make a difference in our city. We're working on a partnership with another business right now that is literally one of the largest realtor groups in the country to potentially bring community changing investment of resources into housing for single moms. Y'all don't know what God is up to. Some of y'all don't even know that out of believing and because of the generosity of people and because of your faithfulness season after season, time after time, that quality affordable housing for single moms isn't a wish, it's a reality. See, we have started an organization out of our church that is connected to our church but not a part of our church called Yellow House. And the last six months have been unreal and unbelievable for all that God has done through Yellow House. Yellow House is a separate nonprofit organization. Again, whole purpose is to provide quality, affordable housing for single moms through the acquisition, renovation, and the connection and placement of families led by single moms into those homes. This was a burden in my heart for years that we could not figure out how to afford to do, just to be honest. Studied, learned, had conversations, did all this stuff. Couldn't figure out how to do. Got to the point where I was done talking about it. I was like, God, you're going to have to do it if we're going to do it. So much so that on our website, I had taken Yellow House off of it. I was like, we don't need to have this out there because I'm tired of asking questions about it. We'll get to it when God blesses us to do it. But I can't be just keeping this thing up here. I'm just, it, it just feels so far away. And then I sat in a meeting. And I sat in a meeting with an organization that wanted to make a difference. And I felt the Holy Spirit say, share Yellow House now. So I did as an opportunity. I didn't really think much of it. I just knew like this is the time to share it. Well, little did I know that fast forward a few months and the group that was in there hadn't stopped talking about Yellow House. And this group became the initial investment significantly into Yellow House that enabled us to acquire, renovate, and then place our first family into a Yellow House. We didn't even have it on the website at the time. But friends, that's just the beginning. See, in that process, we started going, okay, now we got some proof of concept. Let's get this thing going. So we set up our website 
and, and we uh, and, and we we started setting some things up, but we were under the impression that we could use the church's 501c3 uh, for Yellow House too. But we kept finding this was a conflict of interest in really trying to go out and secure funds and grants and donations on a large scale to be able to fund that work. And so we said, okay, we're gonna go get our own 501c3 for Yellow House, and we did. And we did all the paperwork and paid all the money and did all the stuff to do it. And then we found out it was gonna take a year, they said, to get our 501c3. Two and a half months later, we received email confirmation and a letter in the mail from the IRS saying that Yellow House had been approved as a nonprofit housing organization. Two and a half months, what was supposed to take a year, came in two and a half months. You say, why is that significant? Because it changed the game for us. Rather than having to wait till this time next year to start really getting our ducks in order in order to write for grants and, and lean into companies that have nonprofit arms and benevolence arms that want to partner with us, we're able to do it now. Oh, God is good and he will open doors that people cannot shut. We've had a landlord in this community that has somewhere in the neighborhood of 100 to 125 houses reach out to us and say, hey, I'm trying to not own houses anymore. I'm wondering if when I have tenants move out, can I present the houses if they're in your neighborhood to you? And would you be interested in buying them? I'll sell them to you at quarters on the dollar. Y'all don't understand. Y'all, uh, we didn't even know these people. We didn't even know how to contact them. They came and knocked on our door. Because uh, God is making a way for this work to happen. I went to a meeting this summer that I was invited to, and I really don't even know how or why I was invited to it. But it was about community housing development organizations, CHOTOs, as they're called. And it was an informer type of meeting, and I went, and I'm listening, thinking, oh, this might be some stuff that we could do. And the more I listened, I was like, you know what? I don't think this is really going to be a connection for Yellow House. See, they have some very specific focuses um, connected to how their funding works and how their partnerships work. And uh, what I surmised is basically that um, what we call a focus, they might view as discrimination. See, we do quality affordable housing for single moms, not single dads. Single moms. It's like, why don't you care about the dads? We do care about the dads. Our focus is single moms. Somebody else can go start Blue House, okay? We over here with Yellow House and the single moms. Somebody else start Blue House and do it for the dads. That's fine. Or why don't you do it for the elderly? Quality affordable housing for single moms. Somebody can go start, I ain't gonna make jokes because somebody will get mad, but start, start that housing, right? You know, like, like somebody else can do that. This is our lane. This is our cause. So at the end of the meeting, some of the people that were running it were, were like cornering me because of the questions I had asked and whatever. And they were trying to learn more about what we were doing. And I communicated this to them and I really didn't think anything of it. Well, the next week I start getting contacted by some of the people I'd met there by Twarla and James and Ashley. And they're reaching out and saying, no, 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 no. Like we want to partner with you. Like walk through this process, we'll help you. We think this could be great for you. And so we did this, I mean, the, the paperwork for this thing, y'all, was like days of paperwork. Sending in reports and getting these things put together, all this kind of stuff. I didn't know what would happen. Because what I also knew is that a lot of people apply and very few are able to actually do it. Like specifically this year, uh, they had 39 organizations apply 
to become a Chodo. Only two of them were approved. You know what one of them was? Yellow House. Two weeks ago, we got approval from our city that says Yellow House is a community housing development organization, which gives us so much access, gives us connection to resource, gives us verification. So all the work that we do north of Summer, east of Graham, south of Chelsea, and inside the Loop, that's our territory. When I tell you we are here, and we're here for good, Baby, I ain't talking about in 12,000 square feet on Summer Avenue. I'm talking about neighborhoods that people have overlooked. That for the glory of God and the good of all people, we about to rebuild. We going to reinvest. We are going to bring hope and life to people who know God and don't know God. And the people who don't know God are not going to be able to deny why. We do. I'm telling you, we have grant proposals being lined up right now that I believe we will see dozens of yellow houses open and started in the upcoming 18 to 24 months. I'm telling you, the game is changing. Now here's the thing, I could be here till Christmas telling stories and giving praise to God, sharing all the good things God has done. But my prayer today is that this gives you a glimpse to what God has already done when the people of God have the faith to thread the needle. God has done so much, but we are really just getting started. We are just beginning to scratch the surface, I believe, of the difference that will be made in our city through us. See, everything I told you, this is what has happened. Because there's a we who has been generous. Because there's a we who continues to return to God the first and the best. There's a we who prioritizes God and their finances. Remember, the gospel is free, but ministry is expensive. Can I tell you, getting a 501c3 for Yellow House ain't free. It ain't free. Can I tell you, serving Christmas toys to thousands of kids ain't free. Can I tell you providing a facility for other organizations to meet it, to providing a facility for there to be AA and NA meetings, it ain't free, but it's worth it. Everything that we've done has happened because people have been generous. And today, I just really wanted to share with you all this because this is what is happening, because people continue to be generous. They continue to be generous when it's tight. They continue to be generous when everything they hear on the news is that inflation is up and the economy is down. And, but they say, you know what? I'm going to continue to put God first. I'm continue to trust God. And God continues to bless. But here's the final thought I want to leave you with as I close today. You have no idea what God might do if more of us join us and live consistently generous because what has happened is because there isn't us who has been generous what could happen if more of us became generous if more of us decided to live this way what could happen through us I'm reminded of the scripture that says I has not seen and ear has not heard and neither has it entered into the heart of man 
what God has in store to those who trust him. So friend, as we close this series, my prayer for you is that you would take that step of faith to activate, to trust God, to thread the needle, and experience on a different level everything we just celebrated and so much more. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Today, as we give thanks and honor to you because of what you've done through us, we, we thank you. Thank you for using us. Thank you for doing more through us than we could ever imagine. Thank you for multiplying our efforts. Thank you for blessing us to be a blessing. And Father, today, I just pray that you continue to move on the hearts of your people. Speaking to people even today, inviting them to join us. To join us in serving, to join us in giving, to join us in living generously. So that all people are transformed in Christ. We love you. Jesus, we pray all this in your precious name. And everybody said.